I started to appreciate how much money was flowing through the creator economy and how much of a connection creators are making with their audiences. I started to appreciate how attainable it is for creators to make a living doing this. All right, Frederico, special episode this week. What is happening? This week, we're chatting with Seema Gandhi, who is the CEO of Creative Juice. Now, with the creator economy booming, there are a lot of players in the space, and Creative Juice are one of the leaders. In fact, they've teamed up with Mr. Beast to invest in and support creators. Hell yeah. Let's get into it. Welcome back to Creative Generation. This week, we are joined by Seema Gandhi from Creative Juice. Hey, Seema. Hi, everybody. Hi, Ant. Hi, Fred. Hello, folks. Stoked to have you with us. Hey, um, let's jump into it. How about you do the intro of who you are, what you do? What's the deal with Creative Juice? Yeah, let me let me give you the skinny. I think first, let me share a little bit about me and that'll help explain why Creative Juice. Uh, I built my career in financial services. And the reason why financial services is something I find so much meaning in is because it's one of two ways that I think we can most profoundly affect people's lives. The first is health. I think we can all speak to how important health is, given the last two years of lockdown and COVID. And when it comes to financial services, you know, after health, that's the other factor that most directly affects people's quality of lives. And I want everyone to be able to live better financial lives. And uh, I've done that at, you know, the U.S. government um, and the Treasury Department helping um, put in new regulation after the financial crisis. I did that at American Express, working on new products and, and helping increase access for folks that didn't traditionally have access to great banking products. And then most recently, I spent five years at Plaid, a fintech company based in San Francisco. I was part of the founding team, and then we uh, almost sold ourselves to Visa for over $5 billion. And that was an amazing journey as well. And when I left Plaid, you know, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do next. But then I met my co-founder, um, Ezra Cooperstein, over at Night Media and started digging into the creator economy and just fell in love with creators. Uh, I think there's something so wildly human about people who are able to produce content and make a living doing the thing that they're most passionate about on their terms. And when I looked at creators and how their fin- financials are kind of set up, started to fully appreciate that there wasn't a lot of tools that were built just for creators or built to help creators live better financial lives and, you know, take the stress out of being a creator business and making a full-time living doing that. And I wanted to help. And so that's the genesis of Creative Juice. And we've been at it since early this year. Um, We're really focused on building, you know, the financial OS for creators so that it's easier for creators to build a business. It's like we focus on the business part of it, help them do that, and they can focus on what they love and do most, which is create. So we built a business bank account for creators. Um, it's really you know fee-friendly, like no monthly fees, no monthly minimums, um, and then tools around it that really help take friction out of workflows so that they can save time, grow more, and um, make a living doing what they love. Super cool. It's really like, it is super cool and it's, it's it's really interesting because, you know, it, it wasn't that long ago that I, I would assume someone like yourself probably, uh, uh, you know, someone in, in, you know, working in the government financial departments and Amex and, and places like that. So, wouldn't have thought that being a creator or being a YouTuber was even a, a thing, right? Like a couple of years ago even, people would still, and still to this very day, is like you can make money out of being a YouTuber. Like they're kind of incredulous and and not sure of it so to to come to this this stage now like 
how how has that come about? Like, how how did that sort of signal to you when you you know, you were in all these interesting financial services businesses? Yeah, I mean, candidly, if you had had this conversation with me even a year ago, I would have said creators. I don't know. That's something for like young people and like they take pictures of ice cream cones. Like, uh, but I think once I started digging in, I started to appreciate how much money was being flowing through the creator economy. And as I start to understood how much um, of a connection creators are making with their audiences, I started to appreciate how attainable it is for creators to make a living doing this. So, I mean, for one sense of it, right? If you're a creator and you have a thousand followers and you can get them to pay you $50 a year, that's $50,000 a year. That's the median income in the US. And as I started looking at what small businesses are, you know, 86% of businesses in the US make less than $100,000. Um, which just, when you put things in perspective, like the ability for someone to make a decent living doing what they love on their terms, like that's huge. And, you know, I kind of believe that in 10 years, the creators are going to be the businesses. They are like the future of small businesses globally. And what's so cool about creator platforms is that, yes, you can have local audiences and be, you know, based in a certain country, but in some way, um, social media enables global communities in a way that I think we're still beginning to really understand. Like I can work with a creator in Ireland um, and that person can connect with my US-based audience. You know, like it's it's almost like the geography doesn't matter as much as it is the person and, and the community that they're building around them. And there's obviously been a big explosion and in interest in this uh, area of, of creators and the creator economy. Um, and like you said, the potential for them to be these, these mega businesses going forward is, is huge. And we've seen a ton of investment in the last uh, year or so. Um, but how do you think that's going to really work out? Obviously, creators are not used to having all these support networks. And then all of a sudden, all these people are flooded in with all the support and money. Uh, how do you think that's going to pan out in the next couple of years? Yeah, I, I think the key piece is what you said, like mega businesses. I actually think that um, we're going to see like an explosion in the middle class of creators. And that's where the opportunity is really interesting to me is as more people can make a living creating and the platforms mature and monetization becomes easier in the technology, right? Better cameras, better editing equipment and, and better um, kind of supply chains. Like creators can make things for cheaper as well. Like that's going to help this burgeoning middle class. And so when you think about tools and different companies coming into the space, I think that's great because it helps educate creators that there are tools available for them, um, that they are a business. And I think that's probably one of our biggest hurdles is empowering creators to say, yeah, I can be a creative person and also manage my business. Like that's empowerment. Um, and for a long time, I think creators have been a little anathema to the business side of things because it's like, oh, it messes with my creative process. Like I'm not going to do that. Uh, we really want to make that live in coexistence peacefully, like in harmony, like you can be creative and have a business. Like that's cool. Um, so I hope that we can kind of lower that barrier, that, that stress around the business side of things. Yeah. I mean, I think creators as entrepreneurs is, is obviously an interesting concept. And I do feel though that a lot of creators don't see themselves that way. They see themselves as creators, people who have like this creative output and that's important, but you know, as they grow and they have these huge captive audiences, their potential earning is going to, you know, also be um, astronomical. Um, but there's still this hesitancy to see themselves as, 
you know, business people or, or entrepreneurs. Um, and how have you found that, like dealing with them and trying to say, hey, look, you know, you have a valuable business um, and you're offering a lot of value to your audience and you're able, you should capitalize on that. I, I think that um, you hit the nail on the head. It's almost like they are um, opposites. You can't be both. And there's a little bit of that stereotype like, oh, wait, but I don't want to you know, mess with the creative part of it and my connection to the community and dirty it or sell it with money, right? But the reality is um, creators are making money. They are a business. And so, you know, candidly, we're still trying to figure out exactly how to talk about it in a way that resonates, but we really want that to be an empowering message, which is run with the creative side of things, lead with that. That's totally fine, but let's track it a little bit and give you some tools so you have predictability and consistency on your income so that you can make this your full-time thing, that you have less stress around it because you feel like you have more control or deeper understanding on the business side of things. And that can be as simple as, you know, on the, on the business banking side of it, making sure that there are no monthly minimums, right? Because you go set up a business bank account at a traditional bank account and like a in the U.S. here, like a Chase, right, or a Bank of America and Chase, at least, you know, I know I've experienced it myself, but if you fall below the $2,000 minimum, you get charged $30 a month. So let's try to strip away unnecessary fees. And at the same time, let's help creators know that we understand them and their revenue streams, like that merchandising revenue and affiliate revenue can be really meaty, substantial revenue streams. And let's talk about it in a way that feels really copathetic. Um, But, you know, I really hope that creators will find that empowering as opposed to something that they turn their nose at because I want creators to feel like they can do this, right? That they got it and that they can live really great financial lives while leading with their creative. Yeah. I mean, I guess the traditional entrepreneurial space or the startup space, it's like, it's so well supported now and I guess really well understood. So I think if you are an entrepreneur or, you know, uh, someone in a startup, you feel like there's structure around that for you. So going into it, it doesn't feel as daunting. Um, and it's great to see that um, products like you guys have now are helping support and, and build up the structure around that, the, the, the creator economy, the creator environment um, to sort of give them that, um, the support they need. Uh, what do you think, though, that that needs to get to? At what level are we at now and where do we need to get to to make it like really um, well-rounded? I just want to say like that's a really interesting comparison, right? Creators versus like tech entrepreneurs. Um, and when I look at the tools that were available, you know, early on when I joined Plaid in 2015, like the number of tools and support systems that exist today are so different. I mean, 2015, you open a business credit card under your personal information at American Express to get, you know, a line of credit that could help you support the company. And today you can get a Brex card or a Ramp card, um, like basically designed for startups. So there's definitely a lot of um, tooling that exists to support the startup environment and help people grow there. And I think, you know, that's something that's starting to happen for creators. But candidly, it feels like fintech or tech did 10 years ago. There's so much opportunity for growth and education. And for us, we're actually going to be leaning into content creation um, and, you know, talking about what it means to be a business and tooling to do our part and making that more of a clear um, kind of set of solutions that are available. But I definitely think there's a ton of education um, that needs to happen. And we definitely want to be doing our part to educate and spread the word. Uh, But this is, you know, an example of a a great way to do that is getting out there and talking about it and and being where creators are. Yeah, sorry, you mentioned, I mean, obviously we're very interested in that because we have so many education programs and we really believe exactly that there needs to be a lot more education around um, the space. But 
obviously getting out and talking about it is super important. What else do you think is, is going to be important in educating um, this sort of next generation of creators, but also the people who support them? Uh, I think it's going to be creating content where creators are. So mm-hmm. we are still in early days on this, but we are investing into our blog. Um, and we will be using a lot of the content on the blog to then create content on TikTok and on Twitter and on Instagram and places where creators live and interact and check out brands. And I hope that, you know, our aspiration is that over time we will become a resource for creator businesses and creators themselves who want to think of themselves as a business or even very curious creators who just (laughs) want to see what's possible, right? Like that we can help them dream big and make those dreams come true. And the first step in that is answering questions and giving them relevant pieces of information. Things as silly as, you know, open a bank account and separate your personal expenses mm-hmm. from your business expenses so that you can start capitalizing on your tax deductions. Like if you're focused on things mm-hmm. as a business or even as a hobby, like you get tax deductions, right? Like those meals, that equipment, mm-hmm. that computer, the Wi-Fi, like those are expenses that you can take advantage of and you do that by separating your expenses. Um, so just even basic things like that so that they feel like there's someone in their camp who's helping them and guiding them along and, and making their dreams come true around, you know, making a living from creating. I love this conversation. I've just been sitting back and letting you guys have have a good yarn. This is the kind of stuff we could talk about all day. I, I think what's interesting to sort of jump on that education piece and, and seeing how um, useful and, and needed that is, particularly creators as businesses, um, because a lot of creators to to this date have probably come into the game from a creative passion pursuit only and 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 now there's this vanguard of of people who have created sustainable or or very high growth businesses as creators and now there's like now there's a was it last year or the year before some research came out that the number one aspired to career is now a youtuber and previously every year before that it was an astronaut um so like and a youtuber right like a youtuber is like synonymous as creator um i think and i'm going to throw mcns under the bus on this one but i feel a lot of mcns all that that sort of boom time of mcn um old school mcn sort of did a lot of damage with um trust with creators um this is my theory anyway and and we'll we'll see what you think of this but in that they were promising the world um of growth and money and collaborations and and a lot of them didn't deliver at least for the majority have you seen that sort of that at all where where creators are sort of have have gone back to well let's go back to let's do this ourselves with like by ourselves and, and we'll grow if we can you know what's amazing to me is despite how much of a bad rep mcns had and you know mcns were way before my time right before i even fully even understood what creators did and the creative economy so I'm, I'm kind of looking at the aftermath of it. And what I still see among creators is this desire to have someone in their court. It's almost like, you know, some of the creators we talk to, they're paying 10% of their revenue to MCNs. It's almost like a backup call, like someone I can talk to if I need help with. And it's like they're not, they're definitely not getting 10% of value from that. But it goes to something that's deeper, which is, you know, there is a need to feel like you've got someone on your side who can guide you or be there when you have questions that you want to answer, that you want answered or help you negotiate something or kind of give you information about your rates or advocate for you. And I think we really want to try to tap into that, but be a better version of that, like a free version that you opt into. Uh, Just to give you another sense of it, right? Like 
uh, a lot of creators, like when they get paid, the money goes to the MCN or the agent and they take their cut and then it goes to the creator. And that's long been justified as, well, we don't want to bother the creator. They're not business minded, you know, like they'll just, they just don't want to be bothered with that. And maybe there's some element of truth to that, but I think it's a system that has little accountability. Um, And what I mean by that is if the creator doesn't control anything, they just receive things, then how do they have control or how do they hold their people accountable? Like the world should be money goes to the creators and they can see what happens, whether they choose to look into it or not, that that's up to them. Right. And you can have managers come in and and take cuts of it, um, which is stuff that we're enabling, but all of that is giving creators back control. And I think to come full circle on your question, like, that's what we're trying to do is say, creators, you're in control. Like, you got this. Um, and also fill that emotional need, right? That desire to have someone on your side who's helping make this feel more possible. Awesome. What are some of the challenges do you think that uh, creators are going to face in this 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 shift in, in basically, it, you know, this creator economy? It's an industry. Like, what are some of the, the challenges you're seeing and, and you think are going to come? Yeah, I, I mean... I think you guys would have just as good insight here too, right? Like you're working with so many different creator businesses. I think one is just candidly realizing their potential. Um, I think a lot of creators sell themselves short in terms of what is possible. Um, and so holding up more examples of, of different types of creators and different types of you know, creator businesses that are actually living the dream, doing what they love doing on their terms and being able to make a living doing that is, is going to be really important. Um, and, and a challenge, I think, the second is just the educational piece that we were talking about, which is, I think, for a long time, uh, you know, there's been a little bit of a kind of my eyes glaze over. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to talk about it. And so, you know, a challenge is how do we help creators own that part of them and, and who they are and really take control? Um, I think from a business perspective, you know, it's going to be feeling, like, again, control over their um, the monetization, right? Just, you know. I think there's been a lot of news around a week or two ago, Instagram went down. And so a lot of creators lost control over stuff that they were supposed to be doing or, or kind of different revenue streams. And, you know, there were a couple of years ago, YouTube changed their algorithm. And a lot of creators felt that pretty deeply. So it's it's about, you know, feeling like you have control over what's going on with your business when you're so reliant on some of these platforms. And I think that's a challenge today and will continue to be a challenge for creators as well. Speaking of like creators, like to hold up to the light that are living the dream or, or you know, creating these great businesses. Is there any examples that you, you kind of look at and you're like, yeah, that's, I like that. I like what they're doing. For sure. We have actually um, invested in a few. Uh, I don't know when this podcast is going out, but it's not public yet. And I, so, I mean, I would say depending on the timing of when this goes out, definitely check out. How about we, you can drop them and we'll embargo this until then? I think I think there's an amazing creator business, which is actually based in Australia, called Never Too Small. Um, and, you know, they check out small spaces globally and then, um, you know, highlight just amazing interior design around how that small space was made very livable and functional and beautiful. And um, it's so beautifully produced you wouldn't even believe that it's like youtube right and they've done such a great job of being cross-platform and also you know building a business around it which is like their you know books that they put out and and different things and they're thinking really big and there's so much potential um and what's really amazing is that they love what they're doing uh and there's a couple of other creators like that that we've invested in that we hold up um betty van from 
click switch, she's making these bespoke creator or keyboards. Um, and there's so much opportunity for them to do more than just keyboards, doing other types of items and then making them available for people to buy. I mean, it's kind of wild that we all use the same generic, you know, Dell or Apple or whatever keyboard when that's something that we probably spend like hours and hours of time doing. And so I'm really excited for all of the potential in their business. And, and so those are two very different businesses that start off as YouTube channels, right? Go cross-platform and then also translate into real-world, hard-world goods. So, um, yeah, like I, I could keep going, but check those two out for now. I mean, this is a bit of a, a tangent, but I during COVID, I've gone very deep uh, down the rabbit hole and into the world of keyboards. <laughs> I think I've ever bought more keyboards in my life than I have in the, in the last 12 months. It's such a fascinating thing, but something I would never have thought of. So uh, just saying that, my ears are pricking up. <laughs> did you get any custom ones or did you just kind of buy off the shelf ones? I bought, well, I've got, I've got some off the shelf ones, but then I really looked into the ones that are like, uh, you can customize yourself. Like you can customize the, the keycaps and, and the switches and stuff like that and learning what switches are. And it's just, it's an amazing world. And I watched so much YouTube content um, based on keyboards. It's, it was, it was ludicrous and I'm, I'm still absolutely fascinated by them, <laughs> but it, yeah. Well, you gotta check out, it, yeah. um, you gotta check out this YouTube channel then switch and click. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I've, uh, um, yeah, extremely interesting world. But um, look, you you were saying before it's like uh, this idea of uh, sometimes creators not knowing, I guess, their value um, or understanding sort of the where they can go um, and the support around that, and, and not owning their audiences either. either. Like all those things are things we see a lot. I was talking to a creator the other day, really, really talented person, massive audience, um, and. He firstly, he was completely underselling himself, right? He was saying, oh, you know, I've got a lot of these issues and things like that. But, you know, he'd set up a very successful business, great merch line, doing really well, um, but still felt, felt like he didn't know enough to, I guess, be validated as someone who's probably an entrepreneur or someone who's actually running something that's really valuable as a business. And I was telling him, so like, you've done some really great stuff. Um, but he kept saying, you know, there's still so much I don't know. I don't know all these aspects of it. And I think we see that a lot with creators that they just feel overwhelmed by the amount of things they don't know. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a really interesting area. But how do you think we're going to sort of get around that? I mean, obviously, that education element is going to be important to it. But how do we make creators feel like what they're doing is super valuable? And yes, it's okay to not know everything, but there are ways to, you know, get help if you need that. It is the education piece of it, right? And for us, like, I really want creators to over time see us as a source of truth for them. I mean, we, we are early in our journey there, and I'm pretty humble about that. Like, I don't want to pretend to be more than we are, but uh, I, I do hope that we can fill that role. Um, I think, second, you know, I'm a big believer in representational leadership. Like, if you can see someone doing something, then you believe that that's more obtainable. And so, you know, and maybe this is tied a little bit to education, but the more creators that we hold up and talk about as businesses and break down what that means and show the diversity of businesses that are possible, right? It can be a do-it-yourselfer, it can be a toy channel, it can be food, um, you know, it can be like, uh, you know, design, right? Never too small. It can be um, tech, like keyboards, like merchandising, like clothing, right? Like it just goes on, Um and, you know, I see a world in 10 years where as individuals, we get to pick and choose 
more of things that reflect us. Like there's no reason we should be buying clothes from the Gap, right? I don't I don't have anything against the Gap. Like it's a great company, but like if I want to individually express myself and clothes or the things that I own are a way of representing that, then like the fact that there are more creators out there who I can identify with or, you know, connect with, like just to share it, like I'm I'm Indian American, right? Like I that's my nationality or I guess ethnicity. I don't know. I guess I'm American. Um <laughs> and uh you know when I grew up like a lot of tv was pretty um homogenous right and now I look at folks like Liza Koshy or Lily Singh and I'm like wow that's so cool that's like a brown woman and she's like goofy and I relate in all these ways and Liza Koshy now has a fabletics like athletic line and I'm like wow like those are cool but I, I not only identify with that clothing but I identify it with Liza Koshy and I'd be interested in buying something like that too identify with right and I think that's what we're going to see more of is people who choose to buy things that reflect themselves and that will be from not only you know your water bottle right or your t-shirt but like increasingly maybe like your computer or like the couch in your living room so you have a story about that and that's where I see a lot of this going and that's that's the interesting thing right and and that's what we find so fascinating is that idea that when creators sell something it feels like there's substance behind it um that that gives it a story right that you feel like when you see something there's that it fills in all the gaps for you so it's not just a bit of furniture it's not just a shirt but it feels like it's part of something bigger and that's such a, an amazing opportunity yeah i mean i i think i'd even lean in harder and say it's more than just feels right it is like there is a story behind it you're not just in some generic store like picking something off the shelf like there is something real there that you know, you visually or something identify with. And like, that's a reflection of who we are. So I, I think it's very deep and very human. And in a lot of ways, like, you know, when I grew up, it's like we had downtowns and like your small little like boutique shops or whatever. And there were sometimes a lot of junk in there, but they were small and boutique and felt very individual. Um, and then we had the rise of big box retail, right? The Walmarts, um, mm. you know, like the, uh, gaps right like and you know that's all cool and great and it was efficient and we identify with those brands right like but now it's almost like we can go back to the boutiques um but they're global boutiques they're global businesses right um and they're run by creators and find things that feel like us and i think that is really cool like i fully believe in 10 years we'll be following people that we really identify with and just buy a lot of the stuff that they have because they've curated for us which is which is cool oh totally and like particularly interests that were never served before like because you know in your local area there were never enough people to make it viable for someone to have a business that would create that thing for you but now you can have a creator and they can reach everyone in the world and, you know, you could be interested in like, you know, some obscure form of woodworking that only, you know, a, you're the only one in town that is interested in it. But across the globe, you know, there could be hundreds of thousands of you in this, this niche form of woodworking and then there could be a creator that creates content around that and then they could make the tools that are around that. And, um, yeah, it's it's super interesting. It's so much fun. You just There's so much diverse interests in the world that I never would have known existed until jumping into the creator space and it's a global community right like in some ways it's not just like your local little physical community it can be you can build tighter communities um, around niche interests because it is global like you can find commonality over that 
whatever, woodworking for um, water bottles, <laughs> right? All of those people who have a passion around building wooden water bottles and all you need are a thousand of them to form a real community and make a living off that. Um, so that's made possible with the power of these global platforms. So you have like these financial services, you know, basically the bank for creators, if that's okay for me to, to say that, um, plus more. And then some of that plus more is you guys also have like funds, you you know, capital, you invest directly into creators and, you, you know, mentioned some of those those creators like never too small. So like, what does that look like? Yeah, look, I mean, I think that's fundamental to doing thinking for creators, right, is helping them build credit with us. And if we can, if they can bank with us and, you know, trust us with their um, AdSense revenue and other types of revenue, then we have better visibility on them as a business. And what that means is that we can, um, you know, do more uh, investments and access to capital for them across different revenue streams. So, you know, for creators, they don't have access to paychecks every two weeks, right? Like it's not like it's predictable that way. It's lumpier. There's brand revenue. It comes in at different points. Um, and that just means lumpier cash flow. Like I want to be able to say to a creator, okay, look, like fine, that brand deal, they're, they're saying net 30, you want the money now, we can do that for you for a small fee if you want it, right? Because sometimes you just want it and you want something to be reasonably accessible for you. Um, and that's where I want to be able to help creators. Like, I want them to be able to do something like that where they control when they get their money, but also say, hey, look, like, I want to buy a really amazing piece of equipment because it's going to grow my channel X amount and I need a loan for that. But if I go to a regular bank, they don't get me because they're like, where's your paycheck? What's your annual income? And they don't understand that, well, I can have this AdSense revenue and I have my existing affiliate revenue streams and they're actually really solid and so there's steady growth there that's where we can step in and say we understand that we understand what it means for you as a business and we can underwrite you for that um and so i think there's more that we can do there and it's something we're definitely going to be leaning into um but you know at the end of the day what we want creators to understand is that there's no shame in saying you want a business bank account that's awesome you get you know great experience um you know low fees like manager logins things that will just make your life simpler you get built-in invoicing like media kits like this is, you know, banking for creators plus more. But importantly, you also get access to capital and that's how you grow. Um, like every every industry has gone through this and it, it's amazing how much the creator economy has grown without having access to capital. Do you think like, you know, this is obviously very early days and you guys are at sort of the, the forefront of this. I'm just thinking of things like, you know, with your experience in traditional banking and um, like Amex, et cetera, do you think, you know, crystal ball, do you, do you think they'll come to the party here, or be able to? Like, I'm just thinking of, like, you know, Afterpay. Um, and now there's, like, I, I don't know if that's the same in the US, but there's, like, tr the big traditional banks are now offering a similar product to Afterpay, which kind of, like, undercuts their credit card business. But anyway, like, I'm just, yeah, super curious where you think, like, where this, this side of the future in creators and finance goes. It's so funny. I got asked this a couple of days ago. And look, my theory oh, on that, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's good. It's a good question. Um, is that, uh, look, like I remember when I was at American Express and, you know, we heard about this company Brex and there's a lot of skepticism around what they were doing. And it took a long time before I think traditional banks said, yeah, they're onto something. And, you know, they, they fill in the gap in some way with the afterpay or 
you know, buy now, pay later. Pay later. Um, I think a lot of credit card companies are now saying, okay, you can pick a transaction and do like a loan off that, right? Like, so sure, I think if it if there's opportunity here, then traditional financial services will come, but it's going to take time, right? And we want to win the trust and the brand to be creator first. So I think like, that's great. Let traditional financials just come when they're ready. Like, I hope they do. It just validates the space even more. Um, but I hope in the meanwhile, we've, you know, built an amazing brand and product that is specifically for creators. Like, are you going to go to your traditional bank and get a media kit or an invoicing flow anytime soon? No. Um, are you going to be able to get access to your brand deals faster? Probably not anytime soon. Uh, and like, I want to be solving the pain points that creators care about and helping them grow faster. Like our mission is to grow the creator economy. If we're doing our jobs right, then creators are reaching their full business potential. More creators are living their best lives, doing what they love doing. And, you know, they have access to capital. Um, and we're growing this economy faster. The, the elements obviously, and as banking needs to catch up as well, um, more investors are interested in investing in creators, but there's still a little bit of apprehension around that, I guess, you know, putting money into something that is effectively based all of one person. So where do we, where do you see that going? Like this isn't something new. I mean, let's just look at Calvin Klein or Gucci or Versace or Tommy Hilfiger or Ralph Lauren. Like these are all people who, you know, built brands and massive companies around them. Right. So it's really not that different of a concept. And I, I think that as we see, you know, the Mr. Beast, the Shelby churches, like, you know, um, like kind of the pioneers in this space start building businesses around them. Like that is just a fundamentally different business than like a small business that's, you know, making 150K, whatever it is a year and, and like just living the life that they want to live and full control. So I think it's just about a different business profile. Um, but building a company around a person, I think that's, totally doable and in fact has been done multiple times in the past it's just a different model mm. and when it comes down to that idea of obviously those are, those are good examples um i guess in a more traditional space but a lot of these creators they do build these very big empires typically based on 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 audiences they don't necessarily own or like you know if they use youtube or tiktok or stuff like that technically it's, it's harder to connect with the audiences so do you think there'll be more of a need for creators to own their audiences more, like bring them across to other platforms or, you know, uh, connect with them in different ways rather than on that primary platform? You know, I think that's an interesting tension, right? Because you have your primary platform and the role that these platforms play is one of distribution. Um, mm -hmm. So they help you find and build that fan base. And then second, you know, especially with YouTube, they also do a lot of content protection as well. Like their copyright, like how they enable, you know, creators to put something out there and ensure that someone isn't just like ripping it off. Like they do a lot there to protect creators as well. Um, but at the same time, you're right. Then you became a bit captive to that. And that's one of the challenges we talked about at the beginning, right? Is like, well, you're kind of at their mercy um, if they change things. So I, I don't know. I think folks talk about, well, maybe creators can all spin up their own websites and own their own stack. And I, I like that idea and concept, but I also think that, you know, it's a lot of, opportunity cost if you're spending a lot of your time managing that stack then you're not creating so it is this weird tension right where you can outsource a lot of the distribution the content protection to a platform and rely on them from distribution but then you are a little beholden to them um I, I think you know it's interesting to see what patreon or like a twitter do where they're kind of like a layer on top of these other platforms where maybe you do some stuff and then you kind of drive a creator 
or a, an odd, a member back to some home content, right? Um, so I think there's a lot of development that are to happen, but I also think that creators are going to get savvier at directing fans to the platform that they want them to be at. I think uh, Lucy Fink is a really great creator who does this really well, where she'll tease something on one platform and then drive someone to her YouTube in order to actually watch it, which then also generates AdSense and other kind of great peripheral income. And um, I think more and more creators will do that as well. Hey, Fred, we've got a challenge. Seema has um, subtly thrown down the gauntlet to us um, in that we keep asking questions that she's already been asked. Um, <laughs> they are they are prefaced with, well, mine was prefaced with, that's a good question. Fred, you didn't quite get the uh, good <laughs> question, Monica, but that's okay. You'll be right. But in the background, mate, while we're, while we're sort of going through this we, we've got to ask a, a good question maybe let's just go for a question that Seema hasn't been asked but maybe it's a, we can get a good question on it I think our, our job will be done for today yeah um prefacing that I don't have that question yet but um Seema threw down the gauntlet and I, I'm willing to accept it yeah I'm gonna think <laughs> think carefully like a really obscure question that's both good and that you haven't been <laughs> been asked yet I'm oh sure. we'll we'll uh, have to come back for that one I think cool well it's... what what is the question that you get asked all the time around this that you're like for you it's a no-brainer but um like you know when you introduce you know you talk to people about what you do it, and you're explaining the the space maybe to people who may not have come across it before um, like, what's the question that that you get asked a lot, or the area of a question you get asked a lot? But for you, it's a no-brainer. But for them, it's like uh, you're turning, you're switching on the light bulb. Um, it's well, how big is the creative economy really? Or how how big can it really grow? I get that question a lot. <laughs> like skeptic, skeptical about it? Is that what you mean? Like, is that sort of the the kind of? Yeah. It's just the fringe thing. Like, how many YouTubers actually um make enough of a living here? Like, how much is AdSense really? You know, I, I get that a lot. And, um, you know, candidly, like, you either get it or you don't, right? Like, you either believe it or you don't. Like, there's no data. I can, I can say, look, like, it's not only AdSense. You build a business around you. You get affiliate. You get brand deals. And you can cobble together a living. Plus, a lot of folks, like, move out of the expensive cities. And then it's more than just, like, living a certain life. It's about reclaiming your time, like your creative power, right? Like you can do what you want to do where you want to do it. And more and more people are going to do that. Like that's something I really believe in. I believe that businesses will increasingly be on platforms, not in a store on the corner. Um, And so I think the numbers all trend in the right way. Like when you look at how much media spend is coming into these platforms, the decline of linear television. But you know, I think if you want to be skeptical around it, there's a lot to be skeptical about, right? We're in such early days. Like to me, the creator economy feels like FinTech did 10 years ago where, you know, the conferences are a little dinky. It's like, and not so many people, like, you know, just like a very select set of folks that are actively thinking and breathing this um, every day. But give it 10 years, like we're going to be living in a very different world. I, I really do believe that. I believe so. I'm drinking from the Kool-Aid. <laughs> <laughs> Great! I'm glad we've convinced each other. <laughs> oh, totally. <laughs> hey, look. As long as we're convinced, Fred, you can have a drink from the Kool-Aid too. And we'll, we'll, we'll. Oh no, we'll, uh, absolutely. Hey, but look, uh, I know we're we're running out of time. But um, one thing I, I was keen to ask as well, um, we're talking about obviously a lot more interest in the creator economy. But what we're also starting to see is creators or bigger creators themselves investing in the creator economy. 
Um, like even with Creative Juice, I guess there are a bunch of uh, bigger creators who are helping support the program. That's right, isn't it? Yeah, we have a partnership with Mr. Beast. Um, you know, he's long kind of said, I want to be able to invest in other creators and, uh, you know, is, you know, uh, one of our early advisors and supporters. And that's helped because I think we need to build crust and kind of authenticity with creators. And obviously, he's such a great example of someone who went from being Jimmy Donaldson to building an empire around him as Mr. Beast, including with his Mr. Beast burgers and really making this giant company. Um, and I fully believe that he could IPO, right? Like, that's just what he's building. Um, and, you know, I do believe that's a thing. I also believe that it's important for us to make sure that the middle class of the creator economy is taken care of. And so that's some of what we're figuring out right now, candidly. Like, you know, we're figuring out how to underwrite creators. We're figuring out how to do it at scale. Um, and, you know, I think the next step after that would be how do we enable people to invest in creators in a responsible way? There's a lot of platforms out there that are letting people do that, like spin up a coin, you know, your fans and other creators can invest in you. And I get wary with hype investing. Um, I just worry that people are going to get hurt over time and lose money. And, you know, I was talking to a creator and they were like, oh, yeah, I, I use my coin as um, my 401k, right? Like that's my savings when I retire. And I was a little worried, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like I, we don't know how this is going to play out. And so I really want to be able to enable that type of investing in a more transparent way where you can look at some high level metrics and then make an informed decision around what you think the growth looks like and the opportunity looks like versus just fully on hype. I mean, I'm not diminishing hype, right? There's definitely a role for that, but I want to be able to make it a bit more well-rounded. And so we definitely have heard the need for that, um, the interest in that. We're focused on doing it in a way that feels responsible and creator first as well as fan first. Uh, because we want to build a really sustainable economy for the long term. Yeah, I second all that. Like, I, I love hearing that, like that sustainability and um, success for the creators. It 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 just makes me feel a little warm and fuzzy. Hey, um, but it's it's true, and it's exactly where we come from. Um, not to sort of you know blow around trumpet, but I will. But that's exactly where we come from, and sort of it, it's it's nice to hear that. You know, let's not just go after the big bubble and take advantage and one and done, and the creator. Um, creates the value but doesn't capture the value, so it's 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 awesome, and I, I you know it's the it's the way of the future for for all the, you know the creator economy to grow. Everyone will rise up together. Hey, um, Seema, to shift gears and and lastly, and you've probably been asked this question, but look, so maybe I've been defeated in this challenge. But if you were to make a YouTube channel about you know. Whatever you want, but let's say it's not about uh, the creator economy because that's probably just a too easy win. What would you make that YouTube channel about? I haven't asked this question, so you guys are gonna have to think harder next time. Yeah, <laughs> I've caught you. Have. That's what I, I admitted defeat, total defeat. It also means I have an answer, and um, you know, uh, the thing that I would be most excited about is so. Um, honestly, like it's Gujarati food. It's like the type of food I grew up eating at home, and it's such an art, like. It's, it's amazing and you can't really get it in restaurants and you know my friends would come over when we were in college like my parents lived about an hour away and like have a feast and I you know tried to document some of this after college I had a couple weeks at home and so it would live on right like in my family my kids right like and uh, I remember taking pictures and you know like this is back in the day it's like over 10 years ago 15 20 years ago and uh, it's got these massive files and I tried using WordPress and like writing and it became this massive document that, 
you know, I put in Google Drive and it took up like 30% of my space storage at that point. And there was so much that was lost in pictures. And, you know, I, I look at some awesome cooking channels now, like um, uh, cooking with Randy Lau. It's like made with Randy Lau or something or um, the Korean vegan. And that's what I would do. I would make a YouTube channel on the type of food that I grew up eating because it's really good. And I don't know where else you would get it. And there's just something that pictures can't necessarily capture. So that would be my YouTube channel, Cooking with Seema. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. I'm defeated, but it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> Fred, your shot. Oh, I, don't, I can't think. I think of all, all the, the tricky questions, I'm thinking it's kind of getting really obscure. I don't think it's, I'm going to find something that's uh, going to be particularly uh, particularly good. But I think that's, that's a good good place to end there, Ant. I'll call up on a ball in my defeat and um, listen back to the, the good parts of the podcast. Actually, no, I will ask one more, one more thing. Uh, um, uh, it's, it's a... It's a You've obviously been exposed to a lot of creators recently um, and obviously a lot of creators trying to develop new business models. What do you think, well, who's pitched to you the most interesting sort of business model around the creator space? I have not been asked that question before. So you win. Oh, yes. Snap. <laughs> um, gosh, I, I, I can't, I, I'll, I'll default back to my answer of go check out our investments. <laughs> and <laughs> I think they're amazing examples. I mean, you know, of just creators who are taking money and, and doing cool things. I think, um, you know, uh, Umbaville, Caleb uh, is buying like, you know, a very expensive candy machine. <laughs> and I think we'll do awesome mm. stuff with his candy. Like I, I, I tried some, he sent some to me, like Gigi dot, Oh gosh, sour.gg. Um, really good candy, sour.gg. Um, so that's probably like one of the more, I probably would never have guessed that. Like go check out, you know, a candy machine and build money on that. But it, it's it's really good. So um, there you go. Well, and we know the guys from Never Too Small very well. So we'll get them on the podcast, Fred, and we'll unpack that. How's that? That's, yeah, uh, that, that sounds good. So Fred wins this, <laughs> Fred wins this round. Um, <laughs> hey, Seema... Thanks so much for hanging out with us. Uh, oh, I was almost said at Creative Juice, but that's where you're from. We're from Creative Juice. <laughs> <laughs> We've all got Creative Juice. Did you know that? Yeah, we just, yeah. you just merged as part of the thing. It was a friendly takeover in the subtext of the podcast. We didn't even realize it. <laughs> but um, so, Seema, thanks so much for hanging out. It, like, I could have this conversation for the next four hours, but um, let's save everyone that one. Um, but thanks so much for hanging out with us, Seema. I can't wait to see... What's next for this? Uh, the investments and growth in, in, in the creator generation, not us. The creator generation, the people. Sorry, <laughs> I've lost the plot. The creator ecosystem. Yeah, reclaiming. But yeah, thank you guys for having me. It was really great. Um, really enjoyed it. Uh, keep well. Creator generation. On the mic.